What's up, guys? Happy NBA trade deadline day. EJ Stewart here, joined by Kendall Stewart, doing a live stream as we get to the final half hour of the NBA trade deadline. Kendall, it's like a holiday for NBA fans here. Sometimes it could be a little bit of a nightmare, depending on what kind of moves get made for your teams. Um, I envy your team, Kendall, the Celtics. They have made deals. The Knicks, Leon Rosen guys, they still sleep. Um, apparently they, they decided to sleep in sleep in today in the most important day of the season. But it's a big day. We've had a massive trade go down already. So we'll be rocking with you guys up until the trade deadline and a little beyond the trade deadline as well. We'll probably take it up to about 3.30 in case any deals come in late. But it should be a fun conversation. It's our third or fourth live stream. So thank you guys for rocking with us today. Kendall, let's get right to it, man. James Harden shipped to Philly. This was the move we've been talking about now for, at the very least, several days. But at this point, several weeks. I got to give you credit for bringing up the idea of Harden maybe getting moved on our last Sports Talk podcast. Of course, you can catch all of our podcast episodes on New Generation Podcast Network, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TuneIn, all that good stuff. Um, what do you make, man? Just initial reactions to James Harden being flipped for Ben Simmons, plus Seth Curry, plus two first-round picks, plus Andre Drummond. A lot to unpack here. Let's start with that. Yeah, it's, 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 it is an interesting, and obviously, look, it's an interesting trade. Um, it's something that uh, people have been talking about for, I, I mean, how long would you say that this has been floated around? Because I think when the Simmons stuff happened in the offseason, mm-hmm. the initial thought was, well, Kyrie. Kyrie, you know, right, with, exactly. With the Kyrie vaccine stuff, you know, it makes sense, you know, Simmons doesn't want to be there. Kyrie with the, you know, can't play in Brooklyn. So it may make sense to just do a swap of those two guys. And as as the season has gone on, it has somehow flipped to James Harden in the last couple of weeks, given the apathy uh, that we've seen from Harden in the last couple of weeks. Um, To me, what's flipped the switch and what made me bring up that topic, you know, uh, unprompted, under, unscripted, yeah. un, you know, not, we weren't prepared to talk about nope. it. Uh, but I had to bring it up on last week's sports talk because of that game against Sacramento. Mm. And, and Brian Windhorst said on another, uh, another network's uh, trade deadline special uh, today that that, um, that that game is what flipped the switch for the Brooklyn Nets. Mm. Once wow. that game happened, they, they realized he, he's not going to be here. Mm. We got to trade him. Um, and that's what it looked like when I saw James Harden four points, two shots, or two two baskets, no free throws, no free throws made against the Sacramento Kings on the road with Kyrie Irving in a loss. I knew there was something wrong going. There's, there's something wrong, and there was, James no, no excuse to lose, no excuse to lose that kind of game. At no all. excuse to lose that game, and that's what made me prompt the question: Will James Harden be a net right. come past the trade deadline? Um, I wasn't sure. At that time, but I knew that something, you know, had to have been being discussed within Brooklyn because it became a conversation. Not only are we worried about Harden being a flight risk in the offseason and going to going to Philly or going some someplace else in free agency, but also does James Harden right now with the way he's playing, what his mental makeup and attitude is right now, is he does he give us the best chance to win a championship? And that really was the question. And looking at what Brooklyn got in this trade, getting Ben Simmons, getting Seth Curry, getting Andre Drummond, 
on top of the first round picks, which are long term. We'll see if maybe they can even flip those for more. But getting those guys, I think, makes them comparably a at least a comparable team, if not better, when you add the depth. Because the depth part of it is what is what is what has made this Brooklyn team so uh, Jekyll and Hyde. When you, right. when you have a guy in Kyrie who can only play half the games, and then you've got just Durant and Harden, Joe Harris being out all pretty much all of the season, and now Durant and Harden missing games here and there, you just don't have the depth to consistently win unless you've got pretty much all three guys, and they haven't had that all year. So um, now picking up Seth Curry and picking up Andre Drummond gives them some size, gives them some shooting, on top of the fact that you're getting a guy in Ben Simmons who – in the past, we'll see where he's at physically and mentally when he comes back. But in the past, he's been a guy who could play every night, which is not something that, you know, we've yep. been able to say about any of the next big three pretty much since they've been in Brooklyn. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 tough for me. Um, you made the point before on the podcast. You just made the case again why you felt like this was a move that had to be made. And I think... Look, if James Harden makes it clear that he doesn't want to be there, then you got to just cut bait. You, there's nothing really you can do, I think, at that point in time. Because with with him, there are some players that seem to be able to, you know, lock in, focus, give it their all until the trades happen. You know, they're not making life miserable for you. They're not making life miserable for the rest of the team. So you can live with whatever may come with a player who's essentially a rental. You don't have You don't have that when you have a guy like James Harden. You don't have – you had a guy who, you know, Nets are saying that he looks great in practice. He's saying, oh, I got a, a tight hamstring. You know, like like your team is in a six, seven, eight, nine game losing streak, and you already know you're down one man in KD. You're down half a man in Kyrie because of the vaccine situation. Of course, you don't want somebody forcing themselves out to play on an injury. I'm not saying anything crazy like that. But we knew what the what we knew what time it was when it came to the Nets. You need as many bodies as you can to give it all, give it your all. And James Harden had made a decision that he was not going to give it his all for this franchise any longer. He was frustrated, was not happy in Brooklyn, was not happy with how this organization was running things, was not happy with all the losing. Essentially, what the the word I the the, the impression I got was that he got there and saw the situation and was like, this is not what I signed up for. I signed up for something that was going to be, quite frankly, a lot easier. <laughs> Just it was going to be a three to our team. We were going to still have Joe Harrison here healthy. We we're going to have some veterans here. I wouldn't have to do pick up so much of the load like I did in Houston, which is why I wanted I there to begin with. This is not what I signed up for. I didn't sign up for guys getting injured every two seconds. I didn't sign up for Kyrie saying I'm going to play half the season. He didn't sign up for that. So once that happens, you kind of force their hand because he's not a player who can say, "Look, I know it's tough. Just grit it through. We'll get healthy by the by the by the playoff situation." And by then, hopefully, we can turn the season around. He wasn't going to play ball in that way. He was showing that in every way possible. And that's why they had to move on. I think when it comes to the the, the trade capital that re- they received in Ben Simmons, it's fascinating because on the surface, this is kind of the perfect team for a Ben Simmons in the sense that in a perfect world, if Kyrie Irving was playing every game, didn't have to sit out games, and KD was healthy, this is not the team that would rely on him to ever be a scorer. They have plenty of offense. Yes. The team does need defense. The team does need playmaking. 
The team does need guys to get some of these other players easy baskets. That's something that we already know that Ben Simmons can do. So on the surface, that makes this a deal that maybe isn't as palatable or as poor as you would think. Seth Curry comes in with him. They needed another guard who could shoot. Javon Carter was playing way too many minutes for them. So it's not like this is just a complete loss for the Nets. But it's still and Andre a Andre Drummond is a real big. Yeah, and, they, and like, and like look. i Andre yeah. Drummond is an all-star. Right. But they were given, again, way too many minutes to, I mean, LaMarcus Aldridge. Aldridge, playing, Clax, but, Claxton was getting a lot of minutes. And Claxton's not yeah, a bad player. Claxton, he, I heard he may yeah. be on the move. We have to keep following this. But, like, yes. like, yeah, Andre Drummond is a starting caliber center. He's not yeah. a scrub. You know, and so, again, with, with the Nets, yeah, th- those sorts of moves on the margin mean more to that team because they have no depth. You know, if the Phoenix Suns acquired Andre Drummond, I'd be a little bit more skeptical about is he even going to play. Or <laughs> the Milwaukee Bucks acquired Andre Drummond, I'd be a little more skeptical what's his role going to be. But with the Nets, they can't they can't afford to not play Andre Drummond right now. They, they're going to need they need all hands on deck, particularly when. Every every other night, Kyrie's not going to be in the lineup, and Durant right now is hurt. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, they they they, they need bodies. They, I mean, they if they're the team that has been most uh, killed by the idea that they don't have enough bodies to uh, to play this season. Essentially, that that, that they've had guys that okay, again, whether it's COVID injuries. So I mean, they got three bodies, guys who can you know. Paul Millsap wasn't even with the team. You know, he he had decided that he no longer wanted to even be a part of this freak show so he was like yo i just i'm just gonna go home and tell me when i get traded yeah. or whatever so he wasn't yeah. even around so when you look at this deal i'm gonna try to pull up uh some of these guys we have here um i just i made this graphic earlier today i know it's probably only fitting part of the screen but you got ben simmons you got seth curry you got andre drummond you get some picks here and that's not nothing because they lost all those picks to um yes. to the rockets so you, you get you get some picks here so you recoup some of that loss so it's it's i don't want to say it's all doom and gloom for the nets but i think in some ways this does feel like a moral defeat even though it's not all bad as they would say because it was supposed to be scary hours we talked all about nets culture Talked all about how this is the place people want to be. People want to come to this team. They want to come to Brooklyn because this is where it's at. That's what we kept being told. And because of what they were establishing. And you had a, a, a bona fide superstar, a two-time MVP, come to your organization. He looks left. He looks right and says, get me the hell out of here. It's a bad look. It's, it's a bad look for what they've been trying to sell. The team, see, feel it feels like they're in a lot more flux than they were going into this season. It feels a lot more tenuous. Yeah. Because we don't know what Kyrie's situation is. He's he's he could be a free agent this offseason. KD signed long term, so that's fine. You bring in Ben Simmons, but we've seen Ben Simmons do what he did in the postseason last just last year. So how how great do you feel about Ben Simmons as a future peace moving forward? So this idea that, you know, a championship in Brooklyn felt inevitable. I've literally said that multiple times. I don't feel that way anymore at all. I don't know what's going to happen with this franchise, <laughs> and, that, and that's the more that's the moral that's the moral defeat. Yeah, yeah, inevitable would be very strong to say. Uh, I the East is tough. I mean, let's talk about Philly. What yeah. what their makeup and what yeah. their outlook mm-hmm. is now at this point? Because as much as this is a win for 
uh, Brooklyn, in my eyes, uh, in terms of being able to offload Harden, like, you're, if you're the Sixers, it's hard not to feel great if you're a Sixers fan right now about what you just, about, about what you just pulled off, because the real conundrum with acquiring a guy like James Harden or acquiring a guy like Bradley Beal or acquiring a guy like uh, Damian Lillard was always going to be, well, yeah, I mean, trading Simmons is cool, but you know, are we going to have to trade some of the young guys that we have as well? Right. Are we going to have to trade Matisse Thybulle? Are we going to have to trade Tyrese Maxey? Um, and they didn't have to do that in this trade. Yes, Drummond and Curry were rotation guys. Curry has, has been having an excellent year. And, you know, Drummond has, has played better uh, than he had, than he did in, in L.A. For, for sure. But you're able, to, you're able to acquire a guy in James Harden who, while he's having a down year, on his for his standard, he's still obviously an all star. Um, and if he does get to the level that we know he can play at, we're talking about a guy who the top, easily top ten player in the league, if not top five, along with Joel Embiid, who's playing the best basketball of his career, and right now a front runner to win MVP. Having those two guys, and essentially you're trading a guy who wasn't playing in Ben Simmons as the centerpiece. Right. You're trading two year old players for an MVP candidate on this team right now that already felt like they were a top four team in the Eastern Conference. Man, I mean, you know, again, you want to talk about, you know, the landscape in the Eastern Conference right now, and you have a team in you have a team in Brooklyn that is struggling, but they feel like just get us in the playoffs and, and we don't really care you know where we are. Uh just as long as we can get in the top six and avoid that that playing tournament. Yeah. Um and then you've got uh, obviously, the defending champions in Milwaukee. You've got Miami, who's played excellent this season, but they sort of feel like they don't have the the, the firepower that this uh, that this Philadelphia 76ers team has, this Brooklyn Nets team has, or the Milwaukee Bucks. So it's 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 going to be fascinating to see how this how this how this plays out. But again, if you're Daryl Morey, you went into the offseason, coming out of the offseason with this whole Ben Simmons controversy and where are we at with Ben Simmons and what can we get back? And I'll, I'll be the first to say I was dead wrong on the Sixers approach. Cause I thought just offload the guy now and, you know, get something back. I don't care if it's, you know, Jeremy Grant and, and Sadiq Bay, you know, like give me something back for Ben Simmons so I can help Joel Embiid win a championship. And Daryl Morey stood in the pocket, stood in the pocket and waited. Um, and he's able to get James Harden in return. So, you know, again, tremendous job. I do, you know, I do see that, or I, I do, feel, I do feel like I was right in the sense that all of this stuff about Maury saying, "Oh, we're you know, we're willing to wait four years of this Ben Simmons thing. We'll we'll wait the life of his contract." You know, look, maybe he was. I don't know. Maybe he wasn't bluffing. He did get a great return, but that was never going to happen. We'll never really know. But I just, I just don't believe that was ever going to happen. No, I don't believe it's gonna. I don't believe it's gonna happen either. Um, and and here we are now. And uh, you know, Harden, bona fide superstar. Now in Philadelphia, he pairs with Embiid. We'll see how that goes. Big trade happening, Kendall. As we started just this, now, just now. Dallas. I'm reading from my phone because uh, this is kind of how the show's gonna be. So bear with us, everybody. Dallas trading. Chris Stats Porzingis, former Knicks great. Two. The Washington Wizards for a package that's centered around Spencer Dinwiddie. 
I believe it also is going to include Davies Bertans. Dallas yes. will be sending a second round pick to the Wizards as part of the deal. So we're freestyling here. This is going to be kind of the nature of the show as we get 10 minutes away from the end of this trade deadline. Porzingis is a player we saw, we heard whispers about last year during the trade deadline. And, you know, we in saw, the yeah, oh. and in the offseason a little bit, you know, there was concerns about the relationship between him and uh, uh, Luka Doncic. There were concerns about what the deal was with his health and his availability. So him getting shipped, not shocking, though it, didn't, it seemed like the, the, I didn't hear much of a market for him. He goes out for Spencer Dinwiddie, who just signed a big deal with the Wizards. He was not liked by that fan base or that locker room, from what I could tell. He's not played all that great. He's coming off an ACL injury from last year. So clearly trying to still recover from that. Davis Bertans. Yeah, second one of his career. Davis Bertans has been just an utter disaster as as a a guy that they signed to a pretty big deal. Um, The other Latvian seven-footer who supposedly can shoot threes, he has struggled mildly from behind deep. This is a weird trade. Yeah, this is a weird trade to me. Um, I don't like it. You don't like it for who? Let's 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 uh, keep Dallas. it up. Dallas. You don't you think Dallas yeah. Bertans and 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 Dinwiddie don't do it for you? It, it's I, I get it. I get it in terms of getting you know, you're getting it's it's a two for one. If you feel like Porzingis is just a guy, you feel like he's just like Porzingis, Jalen Brunson, Finney Smith, Hardaway, like they're all it's all a mixed bag, it's Luca and everybody else. Mm-hmm. Then you just exchange one for two because that's what Dinwiddie is going to be. That's what Bertans is going to be. He's going to be another Maxi Cleaver. He's going to be another Dwight Powell, another you know Jalen Brunson, another Tim Hardaway. And, and if 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 that's how you view this team, and if that's how you know Nico Harris, Harrison, and and Jason Kidd and Mark Cuban view this team, then I guess I get it because like I said, it's two for one. But Jason Kidd kept saying they had a leadership council. They had a big three. Yeah, you know, Porzingis was, was part was, of it. Yeah. Yeah, it was Buka, it was KP, it was Hardaway. And Brunson has is, is obviously played well for him as well. That almost looked like that was their big four, in a sense. And obviously when they brought in Porzingis, it was for him and Doncic to be their dynamic duo. That that hasn't been what they expected. But no. I don't know. I just feel like in the Western Conference, maybe they feel like depth will be more important because it's not going to be the Star Wars in the West that the East is right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, the West is, is not. Maybe will be one more on depth and having a lot of shooting and a lot of versatility. But you know, you just feel like in a playoff series, I'm gonna ride with a guy like Porzingis and Doncic, hoping that those guys can figure it out. Versus just saying, Luca, you got. I need. I'm gonna need you to put us on your back. You know, again. And, and yeah. play, play yeah, again and play. You know, out of your mind, which we know he can do. And just and that these guys will make it easier for Luca to play out of his mind because the yeah. spacing, the support will be better than having a guy Porzingis and having needing him to play great as well as Doncic to play great. What do you make of the idea of bringing Dinwiddie as potential insurance for Jalen Brunson? Because Jalen Brunson is going to be a free agent. The word was that Dallas is fully committed to resigning him. But then to take on the contracts of Dinwiddie and Bertans as a package, not to say that that Porzingis contract is good, but to take that on as a package to max the salary here, 
they don't have great guard depth. I mean, we've seen that all season. So could Dinwiddie be the backup point guard to Jalen? 100%. And he could definitely play that six-man role for them. It's a kind of expensive six-man role <laughs> starting point guard. He's getting starting point guard money, but I could see that. But that's, that's the part of it that just is interesting to me. I would be very scared if I was a Dallas Maverick fan that I come out of next season and Spencer Dinwiddie's my starting point guard and we've lost Jalen Brunson to free agency. And I don't know why that would happen because, again, all we've heard is that they were committed to, to signing Davis, oh, excuse me, uh, Jalen Brunson. But this feels a little this feels a little desperate. This feels a little like there's some, there's a shooter drop that we're not that we know is gonna be in a problem and we're gonna have to kind of stock up on players and contracts to give us some flexibility to do something else this offseason to maybe overcome that. The only shooter drop that I could think of for Dallas is is the free agency of Jalen Brunson. Well, obviously you know, Jalen Brunson has ties uh, to other teams around the league, uh, or at least another team around the league, um, in the form of the New York Knicks, uh, you know, very, 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 very close to Leon. What Leon Rose? And, yeah, didn't Le- and Leon Rose, Rose? I believe he Knicks president Leon Rose. I believe he was Jalen uh, uh, Rick Brunson's first agent. Is I believe the story. Rick, Rick Brunson, Brunson was his. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I knew it was one of those situations. Yeah, Brunson Rick Brunson was, was Leon Rose's first client. When Again, Leon Rose became an agent. We've talked about of course, the CAA. Rick Brunson is Jalen Brunson's dad. Yes. Yeah, we've talked about the CAA web of uh, family family tree uh, quite a few times, either on the Uncommitted podcast or on Sports Talk. But, you know, Rick Brunson is also coaching Camden High School where DJ Wagner goes to school and Dewan Wagner, Leon Rose connection, and Cal Parry. And they're all in the same family. And so Jalen Brunson... Uh, <laughs> Yep. He's very, you know, he, he's very, he, he's close to the Knicks. And so, yeah. um, you know, I, it would, wouldn't be a shock if, if the Knicks made a, made a aggressive pursuit to try and get Jalen Brunson this off season. Um, and again, like you said, is this insurance that the one other reason why I question this for Dallas is that Dallas has been one of the best defensive teams in the league this year. And I feel like Porzingis I mean, he's missed a lot of games, so it's not like you know they've had you know they've had yeah. games where they he, he has been he has been a disastrous defender in Dallas, but that hasn't really been the story this season. Uh, he's right. played much better defense this season and right. and then last. I mean, I think he's definitely he's definitely like an upgrade over Bertans. I mean, Bertans is a is a yeah, complete exactly. minus. Yeah, like your defense gets worse by this trade. Just the dimensions of your of your roster. You, I mean, you're trading a seven three guy. You know who's been in. You know has been one of your one of your rim protectors. You don't get one back, and you're getting a guy in. And again, Bertans is an awful defender, and and then, you know, Dinwiddie. You know, I mean, he can defend, but not not going to be a lockdown guy anyway. So gives you more size in the backcourt. You know, if you're worried about Brunson or you know some of these other guys they've had, um, not being able to to defend. Uh, you know, bigger guards, but. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I you know it's it's the guy who's upset in this trade is obviously Porzingis, you know, because he's got to oh, go yeah. to Washington. Washington is you know they're hitting. The what do we, what, yeah, right? what do we what do we make of that fit? I mean, it we know move. we know. Uh, Harold. Yeah, Harold is gone. We'll probably get to that in, in, in a few at some point during this during this stream. Uh, we know Beal is out for the year. 
we've had. There's been strife in the locker room. Like, there's a lot of free-falling situations going on in the NBA. Like, there's the Knicks, there's the Lakers. The Wizards are also kind of in that free-falling situation. Which is so unfortunate for a team that, you know, was was – was one no. of the, the good stories of the NBA early yeah, this they, year. They were paired with Charlotte. They were paired yeah. with Cleveland as, oh, wow, look at what the Wizards are doing. Look, yeah. look at the shock. I mean, I mean, they they still fleeced the Lakers. But, it, I mean, we were really talking about, man, they really fleeced the Lakers. I mean, they yeah. got rid of Westbrook, and they're a comparable team to what they were last year, and they don't have to pay their point guard $44 million to shoot off the top of the backboard and do all the crazy stuff he was he had been doing. I mean, you know, that, that's, that's – uh, Again, that's not nothing. So to see them here bringing in Porzingis, it just—I don't know—I—I I, it just feels like they're kind of just freestyling, man. Like it, to me, it just—it like I don't know what direction they're going. Porzingis is clearly a talented oh, yeah, we've player, said that for like last. but they've been a team that also has dealt with injury issues, and Beal has now been added to that list. It's bad enough you just dealt with the John I, Wall situation. You're gonna now. Hedge your bets on on Porzingis. I mean, Dinwiddie's been terrible for them. So, it, it's part of me is like, I mean, maybe it's just worth the swing. Yeah. What did you really give up? <laughs> yeah. It's just and then Bertans. I mean, both of those guys have been busters for, for the Wizards. So let me make that clear. But yeah, it's it's a swing. It's like I could I could say that it definitely is a swing. Not necessarily something I would have done, but uh, but. They're ranking I, on, you know, some of the younger guys in their team. You know, Rui's now back and seeing if he can get back to the form that he was. Yeah. Uh, you know, and the, the trajectory and the projection that he was at, you know, last season. Um, Rui's back. You, you hope Denny um, can can get back and, and, and get healthy and, and you know, uh, that he can also be continue his, his, his trajectory as well. But, um you know, this has been a this is a a, a math team. I mean, a, a Wizards team that, you know, I don't know. Like you said, they they might be better off for them, uh, sort of hitting the reset button a little bit. The question then becomes, what happens with Bradley Beal in the offseason? Because he's gonna get, you know, a two hundred plus million dollar contract. You would think, uh, at least from, you know, from, from Washington. I mean, good, good luck, man. I mean. It... I wouldn't give them that. Given contract. the way they're built and they're constructed, they're not constructed as a team that uh, has a chance to win a championship this season or next. So yeah, um, Washington really would be better off hitting a hard reboot. I would not sign Beal. Let him go to free agency. Yeah, I would trade him. I would sign and trade. Him. Yeah, yeah, and try to get a sign trade. You cannot. I mean, they, if anybody look, the one thing about some of these teams that have have been stuck with Westbrook, like you know. They, that's the first time some of the teams have dealt with having a player on a $45, $50 million per year contract and seeing the detriments to that. Washington yeah. has dealt with that. They know yeah, what exactly. they know. They, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they know what it means to go all in on a star, star, an aging star who has way more value to your team than anyone else. They know what that process is like. They've dealt with it with John Wall. Beal is not maybe as much of an injury risk as John Wall, but th- that did happen. So if they did that again, then they deserve whatever happens to them. They deserve whatever happens to them. Just want to say real quick, we're at, the, we're, we're, the, one, real quick, I just want to mention to the, the audience at home, it's 3 o'clock. Technically, the deadline has closed. Of course, there are deals that still come in at 3 o'clock. It's 3.02 actually at this point in time. 
So uh, you're, li- you're right now you're watching our NBA trade deadline special on the New Generation Media YouTube channel. EJ here, joined by Kendall. We've already had a Harden deal. We've been talking about this Porzingis deal going to the going to the Wizards. We'll talk about some of these other trades that happened earlier today and earlier in the week um, in a minute. But uh, continue. What are you going to say, Kendall? Um, well, well, now I see that uh, the Celtics are continuing to make moves. Yes. Um, yes. Let's talk. They about already Celtics. acquired uh, Derek White, which was an interesting trade. Trading Josh Richardson, um, Romeo Langford, and a top four protected first round pick, and they just traded Dennis Schroeder to the to the Houston Rockets for Daniel Tice. So the return of uh, Celtic legend Daniel Tice. Um, uh, hopefully he gets his tribute video in in, in Houston when he returns. <laughs> uh, that, was, that was a nice run he had there. But he returns to Boston. Um, interesting interesting moves by Brad Stevens today. Uh, I think the I, I think the the the, the the clear message that Brad Stevens has sent since he's been uh, the president of basketball operations is uh, he doesn't like draft picks and he doesn't like r- rookies. Uh, Danny Ainge drafted him with like a million rookies during his time uh, in Boston and like only four of them panned out. Uh, so I think his mindset. Isn't, isn't that interesting considering, um, just considering, as you guys see my Twitter feed there. Apologies for people who are watching and, and saw me kind of fumbling around with this, uh, this software. But you see at the top, uh, Woj reporting that Tice to the Celtics. I just want to make sure you guys saw that from him himself. Isn't that interesting for a coach that when he was hired, one of some of like the, the benefit to him as a coach was like, oh, he'll be great with young players because he's um, because he's you know coaching college and, and, and you know he'll, he'll be able to relate to them. And Brad Stevens, the GM, has the some of the first things he's done has been let's offload some of these young players and draft picks. Well, like who we, just, we don't think are that worth Brad it. Stevens again. We we assume that Brad Stevens is different than your Tom Thibodeau type of coach because he's a he's a younger guy and you think he may be will, more willing to, you know, like you said, acquiesce to having a younger roster. And it's not, and obviously it's not the Celtics are aging necessarily. But what I'll say is that we're seeing that Brad Stevens is just a coach. Like and ninety nine percent of coaches want to win and want the best roster possible and are willing to mortgage a little bit of the future to try and win as many games as possible. They don't want to wait for these guys, you know, <laughs> to develop. Um, and I think that's what we're seeing from Brad Stevens is, look, I mean that first round pick, you know, it, it, I don't love trading the first round pick, mm-hmm. but if he is confident, and this is what that tells me, that I think they see a window. Um, they think they can do damage. Not necessarily with, with yeah. the East, but they see a window with the way they're playing. Yeah. That, yeah, you know, yeah, we were floundering early in the season. Fans are talking about tanking. Fans are talking about blowing it up. And, but the way they've played recently, I think they think that we're not that far off of the team that they were, you know, in the, they, that they've been, you know, prior to last season. The last three or four years, the team that could get to the conference finals every other year, it felt like, or every year, it felt like. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I don't know. I don't really know how to feel about that because I don't. I mean, I've said for weeks on our show, Celtics shouldn't worry about trying to win a championship because it's not going to happen. And I don't really feel like that's changed in my mind. I don't know if we're, I don't think we're going to win a championship. So, getting Derek White does it make the Celtics better? Absolutely. I mean, defensively. Now you've got 
you can roll a lineup of Derek White and Marcus Smart in the backcourt with Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Robert Williams. Good luck scoring on those guys. Like it's it's a really good it's a really good lineup to have. Versatility, switchability, all of that. Um, I'm glad the Spurs they offloaded one of their twelve shooting guards to bring in two more shooting guards. So, you know, including one more young shooting guard, that's that's a question in Romeo Langford. So we'll see he'll battle out with Devin Vassell and Josh Primo and Lonnie Walker and Kelvin Johnson. But uh, in terms of the, 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 the Celtics, again, I mean, they got better, you know, and they're, they're, they're likely going to be in that five or six spot in the East. And I, I don't know. I mean, I just don't want to play. I don't want to have to play Brooklyn or Milwaukee, you know, <laughs> Philly right now is a little dangerous as well. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't feel great about it because I don't think we're going to win a championship. But right. did we get better? Absolutely. I think it's important to note, Kendall, as I switch the screen here, according to Woj, no deal for the Los Angeles Lakers. They are now fully invested in the buyout market. Man, how the mighty have fallen, Kendall. How the mighty have fallen. I mean, number one, obviously the Russell Westbrook deal just I mean, I don't know how, what else to say. I mean, just a complete disaster. Complete disaster. But in some ways, this is kind of what, for the Lakers, I think for LeBron James, I think for a lot of those guys who've signed on to the season, AD, you made your bed and now you got to lie in it. They went all, they were a team that was a rebuilding team that found LeBron James in their lap. They won a championship. So in my opinion, everything they're dealing with right now it's still worth it. It's, you know, and maybe some Laker fans would be very angry at me saying that. It still was worth it. But when you mortgage your entire future on Anthony Davis, you sign an aging LeBron James, the trajectory of your roster becomes very different. And what they the problem that they had was they, they decided instead of trying to kind of cut their losses, don't do anything too foolish and maybe be more careful with how they restructured the team after last year's first round exit, which was not an, I mean, they got a lot, a little embarrassed, but you know, there were guys hurt. The Suns went to the NBA finals. It was not this like catastrophe of losing to that Suns team, given the injuries that they had. But instead of doing that, I think they felt the pressure of the Los Angeles market, the pressure of LeBron James. And they, mortgage any other chance at improving their roster in any other way by deciding to go in all in a Russell Westbrook player who had not been a contributor to a championship caliber team since he left Oklahoma City and was going to be unmovable as soon as you you signed on to him so now you reap what you sell you gave all the first round picks to the 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 Pelicans you gave all your future assets to the Pelicans okay you got your championship can't complain about that but now you sit here and I kept hearing all day they were asking basically every team in the NBA, what can I get for THT and a first round pick from twenty twenty seven? That's that's yeah. well, that's what we're talking about with this team. And of course you're not gonna get anything for that. So you see I see Lakers no no deal for the Lakers. I'm like, duh. What what were they who were they gonna trade? They have a yeah. lot of minimum salary guys, guys who are at the end of their career, got Kendrick Nunn hasn't even played, guys who haven't even played this season. They have a 2027 20, first round pick. No one knows what the hell that's going to be. Yeah. So it's not a surprising outcome, but 
there are some frustrated fan bases, and we'll get to the rest of some frustrated fan bases, but I know the Lakers will be one of them. But this is what happens when, when, when you signed on to Westbrook the way that he did. There was no way. This roster was ironclad the minute they made that trade. There was nothing they could do to, to improve this team after that happened. And then they had the hope that they were going to be a much better team than they are, and they're not. So here's, that's where we are. I think it was important the Lakers to know that. Lakers feel like this Lakers team right now, this is a little scary for Lakers fans, but they feel like the the Dwight, Kobe, Powell Lakers, mm. where you kind of look like last year was the Lakers was that late last year them losing to the Phoenix was when the Lakers lost to Dallas, got swept, and you're like, man, that was that was tough. Yeah, but you get you end up getting Dwight and those guys. And you feel like, all right, the Lakers are back, you know, Nash. <laughs> and that's what this sort of felt like. I don't think anybody's that convinced. But I just feel like I'm wondering, are we are we witnessing the end of LeBron's title? <laughs> you know, Le- LeBron's title, like, yeah. his, his reign as a guy who's, like, on a serious championship contending team as the centerpiece. I don't know if it's going to happen in L.A. Yeah, I'll be honest, Kendall. I... I thought about that because with morning. Kobe, it kind of came and went. We, you know, he was he was a contender until he wasn't. Yeah. All of a sudden, you know, like, what happened? And now he's Achilles. And that's and that's what happens really. To, well. That really happens to a lot of great players who hang on for yeah. a long time. You know, the guy, some guys retire. Like oh, I always, Tom Brady. We assume Tom Brady. Yeah. Tom Brady was a contender his entire career, basically. Right. You know, and we assume LeBron's Tom Brady, where you know, up until he's forty-five, any team he's on, gonna have a serious chance to win a championship. But right now. I don't know. I mean, this Laker team, he admitted, we don't, we can't play on the level of a team like Milwaukee. Are you kidding me? And, you know, I wonder if that's him coming to that realization. Speaking of frustrated fan bases, you also see in the Jumbo's Tron here. Um, shout out to Nick Chatter. I kind of stole that from him. I didn't mean to. <laughs> uh, no deals for the New York Knicks, sources tell ESPN. So, we sit here now with the New York Knicks. Uh, I believe they're 12th in the standings as we speak this moment in time. They have an aging point guard in Kemba Walker who cannot guard a chair. They have Evan Fournier who also can't guard said chair, but he can every now and then hit a three. You have him signed for for three years at about 20, a little less than 20 million a year. I think 18, 19 million a year. A disgruntled Julius Randle who is flipping laptops and going into other teams' huddles. And Alec Burks, not a point guard, yet is the Knicks' backup point guard and sometimes starting point guard when said Kemba Walker, who can't guard chair, can't play also in back-to-back games. I was thinking about this this morning, Kendall. To me, for the Knicks, this is the most... and Like, it's crazy how a year can just change things. Because, to me... I didn't care what they did. I didn't care to me if it was, you know, there was rumors they made trade Cam Reddish. It would have been kind of crazy, but if they traded Reddish for a Dodgers type, we'll talk about Dodgers at some point, hopefully. Or they did offload some of these veterans. They didn't get anything in return that was exciting. You were just trying to offload salary. They did any of those moves. Even that came with an upside of, okay, well, at least now these young guys are going to get to play. Your, your OB Toppins. Um, if Cam Reddish stays, your Cam Reddishes, your Jeremy Jericho Sim, maybe your Deuce McBrides, 
You get to see so many young guys, see what they got. For them not to do anything, and we'll see if there's a buyout situation with some of these guys. I, there's not a buyout for Fournier. Um, I didn't mention Nerlens Noel also somehow on the team, even though he can't catch. Uh, this is going to be the most disengaged second half of the season for Knicks fans. I would say in a long time, but it's really only going to be, I guess, since the previous season. But that feels like 10 years ago because of what happened last year. I don't know why I can't give Nick fans any reason to watch this team. There's no, I know I, I, I'm not, what, what, what do you have to watch? Tibbs already ran the guy that's been playing great RJ Barrett into the ground. He's got a sprained ankle cause he's playing in 20 point blowouts with 10 seconds left to go in the game. Why are you watching this team? What, what, what can you sell this fan base at this point in time? I say that as a Nick fan on this, on, on this podcast slash stream we're doing like, Look, you can't trade something. You can't trade when nobody wants to take your guys, and that's a problem. The Knicks don't have really talented players. You know, you can't force somebody to take Alec Burks or take Kemba Walker or take Nolan Snowell. But when we think about what Leon Rose did this past offseason, he signed those guys. He signed those guys that he is now stuck with. He got a lot of praise for he got a lot of praise for the last offseason, but to be in this spot that they're in today. To where they couldn't even trade these guys. They couldn't even get offload these guys. It's going to be tough. And there's going to be a real serious question. For the rest of the season. Of how does Tom Thibodeau. Work with this rotation. Because this whole thing has been. I can't play any of these young guys. Because I have an ironclad rotation. Even though this ironclad rotation. Is at seven games under 500. But whatever. Those guys. They have to play. The hope was like. Well at the trade, at the trade deadline. Some of the guys are going to be gone. Well now they're here. So if I'm a Knicks fan, which I am, it is imperative to me that Leon Rose needs to go downstairs, tell Tom Thibodeau, this is your starting lineup, this is your rotation. You don't want to play that rotation or starting lineup, there's the door. It's simple. I think one of the problems has been Leon Rose has high respect for Tom Thibodeau's basketball acumen, and he should. So I think Tom Thibodeau doesn't take any orders from the front office. I think he just plays whoever he wants, does whatever he wants, and there's no... Yeah, I think he's given full autonomy. He's full autonomy. And that becomes problematic. And sometimes you have GMs that are too involved with what's going on on the court. But when you have a front office that's so aloof because you don't have basketball people running things, this is what happens. I get to see Todd Gibson play 25 minutes tonight. That's what I'm going to see. I'm going to see Kemba Walker guard Stephen Curry tonight. That's what I'm watching tonight. There needs to be yeah. a major shift. The front office needs to tell Tibbs the season's over. These guys, they can be on the. I couldn't trade them because you, 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 you played them guys all these minutes. They didn't show anything. So now those guys, they're glued to the bench for the rest of the season. If we don't see that, that's my practice by the Knicks front office and my practice by the organization because you cannot try out Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier as a starting lineup again. And I don't want to see Alec Burks out there to replace Kemba Walker. That cannot be the answer to what we just saw in the trade deadline, which was nothing. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's tough. I mean, look, the Knicks took the, the stance that I had said for a lot of teams, and it's the motto that I've said for weeks, and I've said it on this show today. Um, the Knicks know they're not going to win the championship. So while you could say, yes, we want to offload some of the veteran guys, like you said, what's the return of that going to be? 
we've seen some of these guys getting moved. Again, the Celtics were able to move Dennis Schroeder for Daniel Tice. It makes his trading Kemba for Daniel Tice, I guess. But you know, what what does that really do to, to incite to, to excite the fan base? Um, it makes feel like what's the point? Um, I I honestly, like you said, why do you watch at this point? You watch to to hope to lose. You know, you hope Leon Rose is, is like the owner of the Dolphins, and he's giving out hundred thousand dollar checks for his loss, so uh, so he can get as high in the lottery as possible, because. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, this 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 is a, a little bit unfortunate, but I feel like Knicks fans have to calm down in the sense that in the off season, I think we're going to see a Knicks. This Knicks team is going to look very different. That goes. I do. Time. I do agree with that. Yeah, I think that that's almost a guarantee that this is going to look very. This team is going to look very different. I think the core will probably look very different. But I think we know, and this is a, this. I think Leon Rose is a prisoner of his own. He doesn't say anything, so I can't even say the prisoner of his own words, as prisoner of his own promises. But what he was brought in to quote unquote do, and his biggest, you know, the biggest thing about him that people were excited about were his connections around the league. And oh, he's connected to Cat, and he's connected to Booker, and he's connected to Mitchell, and connected to Embiid at a time. And right now, all of those guys feel solid in their spots for now. But I think that there will be a time in which they, the Knicks will cash in on those connections. And it won't just be Jalen Brooks. It, it, they're going to cash in on those connections. I mean, Rick Beaver uh, had the article a couple weeks ago where an Eastern Conference scout said, you know, it's a question of when, not if, Donovan Mitchell will be a Nick. You know, and, and those, you know, or he said, no, he said the Eastern Conference scout said that was part of the article. The Eastern Conference scout said the Jazz are, we're, we're, we're a Jazz first round exit away from Mitchell being a Nick. And, yeah. That's that's really the the question, you know, is when can they cash in on one of those guys? And it may feel like, man, that's 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 not for three four years. Is Leon Rose even going to be here by then? Right. And that's that is a question. But you know, these things work faster than we think in the NBA. So uh, as we see, as we saw with Harden, as we saw with Simmons, you know, sometimes we feel like you know a guy's going to be there for three four years, you know, or nothing. There's going to be no movement. Like Lillard, to me. Is, is gone at some point. I could be wrong you, about you, that. I mean, I don't, I'd be, I'll be surprised. I, mean, I, would, according... I wouldn't say I'd be surprised if he played another game, but I'll be surprised if he played the game next season. Dame Lillard needs to not fall for the okie doke that's happening in Portland. I'm scared that he is. Because they are saying, oh, these trades where we, where we got rid of anybody that's worth anything and got back nothing. These yeah. trades are actually us trying to help you become a championship caliber team. We help this team become a championship caliber team, help you get a championship caliber nucleus. And right now, Dame is like, oh, yeah, this seems so legit. I'm cool with this. I don't want to leave. Chauncey's my guy. He wouldn't lie to me. Man. My guy. Dame Lillard, run from the grind. I'm giving you permission. Everybody's giving you permission. I know you don't want to run from the grind. Everybody, every NBA fan across America, across this world, is giving you permission to run from the grind. Nobody will feel bad. Nobody will say you're phony or a fake or anything like that. You're, you're a guy who doesn't want to win on an easy way. Like, nobody's going to say that. Run from the grind, man. Run from the grind. It's totally fine. It's okay. I really hope he wakes up. Because I, what? to me, like, when I saw that tweet that, oh, we're, they're going to have cap space and assets now. So things will actually turn around really fast. 
Dave Lillard is going to be like what 33 next year or 32? Like he's getting he's at the end of his prime. He's at the end of his prime. This is one of those things where if you don't build a super team like next year, it's like it's over. Like he's going to have to be like Chris Paul. Yeah, he's going to. Yeah, you don't. He don't got time. Yeah, yeah. Unless he can find and he and he did say that you know he thinks he can. He's found a plan that's going to keep him elite for a long time. That was a little. That was interesting when I heard him say that. I would love to have like. I'm sure he'll talk to his boy Chris Haynes and he'll talk about more what's what's gonna that what that's gonna entail because we've seen Dame play through a lot of injuries. He's been banged up, and this year you know he just he kind of was just uh he couldn't really, they really couldn't get out of the starting blocks for him this year. Dame Lillard, man, run from the grind, please. I want to put us back up to the big screen here because <laughs> this is like the no trade zone at this point in time. The beginning of this yeah. stream talked about the trades that happened. Here's the trade that didn't happen that we all were looking at and hoping for and anticipating. Uh, Jeremy Grant, star forward for the Pistons, not getting dealt. They're fine, apparently, according to Shams, moving forward. What's his nickname, Nunu or something like that? Nunu. Shout out to, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Mumu. No, sorry, Mumu. Mumu yeah. Grant. Shout out to Mumu Grant. Uh, he's, a, he's a cousin of one of my favorite rappers of all time, XV, who we hope to get on this uh, YouTube podcast streaming situation at some point in time. Shout out to Vizzy. Jeremy Grant, apparently staying in Detroit. Yeah, Detroit, yeah, they, no, they, they, they just got Mar- they got Marvin Bagley today in a, in a really kind of funny you mentioned Marvin weird Bagley. four-team deal here. He, uh, he, because, he has not, so Jeremy Grant will have a new teammate. He'll, he'll have some a new piece with him this, this year. But a guy who a lot of contenders and good teams were apparently interested in, he doesn't go anywhere. The, the the outrage about the Sacramento Kings Tyrese Halliburton trade is interesting to me because we talked about it a little bit off air yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um but I think the part of it that people are sort of forgetting is how the Kings got here. You know, because they made a great pick in drafting Tyrese Halliburton. They drafted fairly well with how with Fox and you know, we'll see with Mitchell, but that looked like that was a decent decent pick. All their pretty much every good pick they've ever had since, like, DeMarcus Cousins this has been a point guard. So, uh, you know, they're, yeah. I guess they're doing you know pretty well. Or I guess Tyreek Evans as well uh, prior to that. But um, but the issue is that they have they haven't been in the playoffs in that time period. So that means that they've had also a ton of bad picks. Yes. And the reason they had to give up their one, you know, they're probably their best asset is because a guy like Marvin Bagley's, like, his trade value was so low. Yeah, Bagley, you know, like really Bagley should have been one in that Sabonis trade. In a in a in a perfect world in an Earth twenty eight, you know, Marvin Bagley is a solid young player who's who's not disgruntled, who's playing well, and you say, you know what, he's playing well, but we want to get an All Star, but we're keeping Halliburton, we're keeping Fox, and we're going to move Bagley for Demonte Sabonis. Instead, Bagley is a throw in in a move that I guess you Dante Divincenzo. Who's a good player? I, I, you know, there were rumors the Celtics were trying to get him, and that could have been interesting as well. You get Josh Jackson, Trey Lyles. Clearly, the the Kings are trying to win as well. Yeah, but man, um, it's that, that's tough. And, you know, and for the Pistons, I, I mean, again, I, I I like Marvin Bagley. I the guy I feel the worst for is Marvin Bagley. So I'm like, man, I mean, he goes from basketball Siberia to basketball Siberia. You yeah, know? you feel like. I've always felt like, man, get him in a good situation and maybe a, a good team similar to what the Lakers are getting out of Stanley Johnson. 
it's not like the Lakers are a great situation, but at least you can playing with LeBron and, and AD and Russell, and Russell Westbrook. But right now, I mean, again, he's 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 going from probably a worse situation. Like it's it's, it's yeah. better in terms of he's not in Sacramento, but it's worse in terms of yeah, he can't win anything. Yeah, it's better in the sense that he's not around a bunch of people that hate him, and yes. it's better in the sense that. I think there. I think I think Detroit will have some kind of plan for him with the guys they got. It's not a plan that's gonna win him anything. But like like Sacramento was clearly just done with him. Like he was just literally out there. They only were gonna play him if they had guys that were hurt, which started to happen. So he started getting some minutes. But they were just done with him. There was nothing. He was not part of their future plans. I think Detroit is gonna be intrigued to kind of you know evaluate him over the course of these next you know two months, two three months, to see kind of what they got in him. They didn't really give up all that much for him so this was actually i thought this was a, actually a pretty interesting trade you mentioned the bagley part of it i think this is an excellent trade for the milwaukee bucks um divincenzo hurts you know he's coming off an injury grayson allen's kind of taking Grace, his yeah, spot a little bit yeah grayson yeah. allen's made him a bit more expendable so you know roddy Connaughton, Hood, we saw in the playoffs Connaughton was yeah Connaughton can get it done yeah, we learned. Yeah. I think that before that playoff, we didn't really know, but Connaughton showed he can get it done. So you got Allen and Connaughton. DiVincenzo comes becomes kind of a luxury. I think Rodney Hood was kind of a luxury piece. You had a, a, a very quality big in Serge Ibaka. He gives you more rim protection. I think he's a very nice fit playing next to Giannis. To me, it's almost like he got a second Bobby Portis, but a real shot blocker. You know what I'm saying? Like, Because to me, him and Portis kind of functionally they're very similar and Bobby Portis has been a very good player for the Milwaukee Bucks you add now Serge Ibaka to that piece that, that, that's that's really that's really nice depth in that front court now coming off that bench and another veteran guy another guy who's who's been deep into the postseason who's not going to be afraid in these big moments he's going to be able to stretch the floor I think he's a very nice fit for that offense I thought this was a low-key excellent move by the Milwaukee Bucks and shout out to um that Bucks front office. I think this this is a, a move that we'll be talking about maybe in it's not a move that's gonna talk about much today, but when we're watching these playoffs in April and May and then maybe even June, this is where you're gonna hear that Mark Jackson, you know, people didn't know about Serge Ibaka. You know, people this is this is a very talented this is a guy who's who's accomplished a lot. Like that's gonna be I think a storyline potentially <laughs> Um, when we get to like, you know, because you know Mark Jackson always does that. He's always like, you know, y'all forgot yeah. about what this guy's done in this league, even though nobody has. Like, that's going to yeah, be yeah. Serge Ibaka, I think, in April and May and June. We're going to be like, he's going to be like, Serge Ibaka, he can get it done. And uh, I, I think that this is a, a really nice deal. They didn't give up really anything of value. So shout out to the shout out to the Bucks. Shout out to the Bucks for adding a to really, me the biggest a really solid in this, piece. In this deadline. And, and, and really, to me, I think the biggest, the biggest, the team that doesn't get enough flack, and I, I get it, they're, they're excellently ran. They're arguably the best coach in the league. You know, they're one of the best teams in the in, in, in the league. They went to the finals last year. But, man, the Phoenix Suns, boy, did that did they blow that 2020 NBA draft, man. They had yeah. – it, it, it it's a rare – it's a rare – we knew at that time we were doing a whole series what every team needs. We knew this, this team needs a point guard back. And obviously, they did end up getting Chris Paul. Right. So, you know, that was great. But the draft pick had nothing to do with them getting Chris Paul. Right. 
And you end up drafting Jalen Sticks Smith from Maryland over Tyrese Halliburton. Now, the word is Halliburton wanted, didn't want to go to Phoenix. He wanted to go to Sacramento. He's telling teams, don't draft me. He wants to go to Sacramento. But, man. And then you end up trading Jalen Smith today for what? Torrey Craig? Come on, man. That's tough. Yeah, like, part, tough. Of me, part of me is like, you got to eat, eat the bullet and just, you got to hold on to, to Jalen Smith and hope. He just he turns into some yeah, no. because well they renounced that, they that, were not they renounced his his rights going into the season he was going to be an unrestricted, they, declined his they declined his option he was going to be a, a, a unrestricted free agent so they were not gonna, they were not going to resign him I mean he was not yeah, going they, to be they were out on him. after were, one year they were out on him it's, it's, I mean and look to I, I don't want to shoot them too much bail I mean I agree with you I mean he did look lost so I I, I understood saying you know what. This didn't work out. Let's just cut bait and move on. Let's get a guy who can help us win. This guy, guy who help us win. But well, no, well, well, even before that, last year I was gonna say I think when he's played this year, he's looked pretty good. He's looked okay. Right. Like I know he's playing on a great team, and he's got Chris Paul giving him the ball and picking rolls. I mean, so, I mean, Bismack Biombo has come in to that team and played really well, um, playing with Chris Paul in that pick and roll. So it's one of you know we know what Chris Paul can do for anybody. But he started showing some things. I was like, I mean, man, they really just just renounced. They just really just renounced his option. Like I would have just, I, mean, I feel like the way he, what he last year, I got it. It didn't look good. This year, I'm like, ah, I would like to have seen what he could do. But man, yeah, that was that was that was malpractice when it happened. Um, and I like Jalen Smith coming out of the draft, but he, the idea was that oh, he may be insurance for Aiton, who they also didn't extend eventually. But Aiden, he ain't no extension. Like, Aiden is the man. He's not insured for Aiden. And he ain't good enough to be insured for Aiden. So, what the hell was going on here for Phoenix? You know, James Jones uh, has done a very good job. You know, Monty Williams is an excellent coach. It's hard to really beef with anything the, the Suns have done over the last two years. But this is one. <laughs> if there's anything to beef with them about, a team that ended up going to the NBA Finals that had a, a top 10 pick that just got zero return for it. I mean, like the, they could have added a serious player. They could have traded that pick like, it's, for, it's not, for, it's for it's a like good a veteran. Like, like, they didn't get anything out of that. It, for a guy that was on the team last year. Of, yeah, Terry yeah, Wright was on the Sun last year. Of the, yeah, yeah it's, it's a poor man's version of the, of the, the Larry Brown Pistons not drafting Carmelo Anthony, you know, yeah. like they won a championship. The, the Suns didn't for one. And obviously Tyrese Halliburton and Carmelo Anthony, but man, like you feel like <laughs> if they had him, they may have beaten, they may have beaten Milwaukee and two, like all that kind of eerie concern about, well, look, Chris Paul, like our window is as old as long as Chris Paul played because, you know, he's our second best player and he's, or some people say the best player in the team, but I'm right. not going to go that far. But he's he's our second best player, and he is thirty seven, you know, or thirty eight, or however old he is. Yeah. That man, like, you know, if you had a guy like Tyree Taliburton who's playing with and behind him, you wouldn't have any of those concerns. You just feel like, all right, once he goes and once he retires or leaves, then we just plug in Halliburton. And now we've got a guy who is, you know, a super young star point guard potentially. So, man, that was that was, that was a tough tough. Pill to swallow, but I mean the Suns. It kind of is like it's like the Celtics, 
you know, within, during that Brad Stevens coaching era where you're like, can't win them all, you know, <laughs> with like the Kyrie situation or the Gordon Hayward situation. They've had a lot of good luck, a lot of good fortune. So, um, you know, they'll they'll take one loss. But, but yeah, I mean, rapid fire. What do, what do yeah. you think about uh, Goran Dragic? Uh, he seems like he's going to be on the buyout market. Seems like Dennis Schroeder might be on the buyout market as well. Yeah, um, there was there was word that the Lakers may have tried to get in on Schroeder. Um, and I, I, don't I don't know, know why they, he would walk into that tornado. Uh, I mean, he didn't have a, he wouldn't have a choice if they traded him. You know. Right, I'm saying, yeah, yeah, in a buyout situation, I don't know why he'd walk into that. Oh yeah, no, no, yeah, no, yeah, I was talking about there was yeah. there was word that they were trying, they were thinking about trading for him, which would have been, yeah, I, I, I can't um, imagine he'll sign there. That that would be very awkward yeah. and weird. Now Brooklyn may be an appealing situation for a guy like Schroeder, knowing that you know when Kyrie's not out there, it's it's you and Patty Mills, you know, running the running and the Seth, show. Yeah, Seth Curry, yeah, yeah, and obviously Ben Simmons as well, but right. Um, that, but and then there are more stable teams, you know, <laughs> beyond teams like Brooklyn and and uh, L.A. There are more stable teams out there that 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 may want to bring in some backup point guard help. But but yeah, I mean, Goran Dragic seems like he's pegged for Dallas, just based off the Luca connection and um yeah, those and guys, that whole deal. They've been a they've been a good pairing playing for our team Slovenia. Yes, you yes, know, we've seen know. yes. The, the one time they played together, they they won a championship. They never lost a game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah they won a championship so, playing for the FIBA in the FIBA Euro Cup. Uh, yes. So, I I could definitely see that. Drogic, you know, I know he could be a little bit of an injury concern. He hasn't. I don't think he's played at all this year. If he has, he's played very little. You're not really relying on him, given you just got Dinwiddie and Brunson. So he's just no. extra. You get it? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I, I'd be very curious to see how that would work, how that guard rotation would work with Dinwiddie there. Dinwiddie has some versatility to play two. I low-key have always felt Dinwiddie kind of was a two, even though he's played a lot of point guard. So they, they could right. see Dinwiddie as a two, maybe. Um, Draw just in terms of teams interested, according to Woj. I'll try to I'll pull up the, the big screen for you guys so you guys can see what I'm looking at here. Uh, looking at Dallas, Milwaukee, Chicago, and the Clippers. Clippers are a little weird there. I mean, we don't expect them to make any kind of run. But living in L.A. for the rest of the year, probably not too bad for him. Guy, the cold. Uh, he's been living in Toronto. You know, it's funny. We say he was living in Toronto. He actually, did you see that clip when he was in Miami ahead of the, the Raptors trip to Miami? Um, he was, like, just out of game because, you know, he, it was Born weird. Diet. Yeah, yeah. Like, he, he's not, like, with the team. He was not with the team. Um, but like he was meeting the team in Toronto, in Miami, but ahead of my yeah. ahead of uh, their game because he he was at Miami. I think that I think this might have been when the Heat were playing the Knicks or they were playing somebody. So he was like in the stands. Everybody's yeah, like, absolutely. everybody, this guy is just freestyling. He's not even with the team. And everybody, well, calm it down. It was cool. He, it was cool seeing uh, Josh Hart and uh, Nikhil Alexander Walker going to the Pelicans game after he got treated. Yeah, that that was uh, weird. And, and Josh Hart, I I, it, I was all for it until I saw Josh Hart still wearing a Pelicans jersey. I'm like. That was a little weird. That's not your team, dog. What do you take the jersey that off? Weird. That was weird. But <laughs> otherwise, I thought but those, that was. Weird. Those, those are his teammates. He's supporting his teammates. Yes, that is that is fair. Um, of you know, these teams, weird, but I'm supporting the team that traded me. But yeah, yeah. But you know, whatever. Um, they all know it's a business. Of these teams, if I was Goran Dragic, I would probably. I mean, to be honest, I would probably look at 
those two Eastern gotcha. Conference teams. Yeah, I mean, to me, because I mean, he's better than Kobe White. And they're playing Ayo DeSumo a lot of minutes. <laughs> Barry and Kobe White. You know, so you are you laughing because of the, the sad nature of that statement, or are you laughing because you think I'm wrong? I or mean, is there, th- or is there a third other reason why you're laughing at that statement? It's just like I mean, it, it's just it's just a, it's like, it's a little bit of a mix of both. I mean, I don't necessarily, I don't know if he's flat out better than Kobe White, but but it's like it's just sad. It's like man, that's where we're at with Kobe White. We're like man, I don't think Kobe White's I, even played I that bad. Out. I'm just saying, like Goran Dragic is like an accomplished player. He's played with Dragic on. He's playing. He's, he's playing to the level that we know he can play at. Then yeah, yeah you're it's all about what. What is he now? Is really, I think, the question we have with him is: Is he a guy who can still contribute and play at a high level? No one really knows, which is why I don't think anybody who wasn't going to buy him out would trade for him. I think all these teams were fine with taking a risk on him on a kind of minimum kind of deal, prorated deal for the rest of the season. Chicago would be a look. I don't think Milwaukee's a bad look either. I think he fits very well in that offense. They're very spaced out. You know he's very good at slashing to the basket. He'll he he he'll have plenty of space to slash playing for a team like that. You know, it's it's they won't rely Milwaukee on Milwaukee needs all hands on deck right now in the Eastern Conference. They can't Yeah, they can't I mean they've they, they, they've seen they can't rest they, on their Yeah, they've seen, you know, Philly retool on a ma- in a major way. So you're right. There is no well, we could just chill. Kind of come come back from whatever they're 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 malaise. They're they've woken up as well. Yeah. Um, and Boston got better. You know, Boston got better. And, yeah. And, so you know now you're looking at teams. If you're Milwaukee, you're looking at teams that could potentially pick you off. Like that's what you have to be worried about if you're changing the team. It's not necessarily um, you're you're looking at everybody else saying which one of these teams can beat. And right now, it's about four or five teams in the East that could feasibly beat them. Yeah. And would not even to mention a team like Cleveland. You know, I don't know what Cleveland is. I'm not. They just got Kyrie Levert. I'm not putting them in that conversation just yet as a team that could beat Milwaukee in a playoff series. But, um, but you know, record wise, they certainly should be in the conversation. Um, and I think Chicago is in that conversation. So yeah, it's 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 a, it's a tough Eastern Conference right now. The East is a little more wide open, I think, than the West is. Yeah. Um, you know, at the West, I think. Right now, I think there's only three teams. I think that could like could feasibly win it. I mean, the West, the West is a is a nightmare in terms of just like there are not a lot of good teams in the West. You know, but, yeah, it is Golden State, it is uh, Phoenix, and Utah. And we say Utah, but they've struggled a little bit, and there's all this stuff about you know, Joe Ingles. Our, our goal is Gobert and Mitchell on the same page. We're doing that again. Like, I, I don't feel good about <laughs> their their prospects of winning a championship. So to me, it feels more like a two team race. Everyone else is just like the Jazz are interesting, but ev- ev- definitely beyond three, everyone else is an afterthought, as far as the Western Conference concerned. Uh, I put up there on the big screen Woj's tweet from about uh, about twenty minutes ago. Ben Simmons has already talked to Kevin Durant and Sean Marks. Uh, Clutch Sports tells ESPN Simmons is eager to join Nets and ramp up for a return to play this season. Paul says, "quote We've got to work." We got work to do to get him back to play, but it's a giant step, a great step in the right direction. So there's Ben Simmons ready to play for his new team, the uh, Brooklyn Nets. I'll be honest, maybe I'm tripping. I've heard people talk say this about Ben Simmons that there's going to be some kind of ramp up to play model that is going to happen with him. From the Nets, I don't want to hear this. 
I don't want to hear that there's a, a, a ramp up to play. What have you been doing all this whole time? What do you mean there's a ramp up to play situation? Now, I know from a legal standpoint, I think that they have to pretend as if he right. can't play yet because the whole deal with him being able to get the money he was getting in Philly while not being the team was that he was in some kind of mental health situation and right. he wasn't prepared, mentally prepared to play in Philly. So he so, just wakes up and starts rocking, playing 40 minutes Right, so like if he, he literally became that Kevin Nash meme where you know he's in the wheelchair and as soon as he gets traded, he takes off the wheelchair and he's not in a yeah. cast and he's ready to play. And maybe Philly comes back and says, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's get back some of that money. Maybe that's the case. If that's not the case, I'm sorry, man. Like, we literally just traded Harden because he's like doesn't want to play and he's in. A, he's not available. We have one guy who's only available half the time. Like, this isn't that. Oh, just let's see when you can get ready to go. Like, you, we need you to play tomorrow. Like, I, that 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 was a little annoying to me. If I was if I was a Nets fan, Nets are right now ringing the red. You know, ringing all the sirens, all the alarms. Uh, you know, <laughs> all the panic buttons. Like, this is a panic button situation for the Nets. And I'm hearing uh, we got a lot of work to do to get him back to play. What? I don't want to hear that. But, there was, I mean, the alternative was losing Harden in the offseason and having him half-ass it for the rest of the season. So, <laughs> this is this was, uh, this was their, their, their situation. We've been with y'all for about an hour and ten minutes. Probably wrap this up soon. Um, trying to think of are, are there any other deals you want to talk about before we wrap this up? You I mentioned mean, we were going to mention Montrezl Harrell. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, let's, let's, let's mention was, that. Dealt to Charlotte. Um, good move for Charlotte, I guess. Trading Vernon Carey. Uh, you getting back Montrezl Harrell. Um, you improve. You know, you you improve, and you don't really feel like you mortgaged your future. Uh, to do that, so then um, Washington continues their fire sale, uh, and you do wonder if, again, with the strife that they've had in the locker room, the fight between KCP and uh, and Montrezl Harrell, if any of that had to do with their their sort of offloading of some of these guys. Um, we did see the move. Uh, we did we did see also a guy like Ennis Cantor Freedom yes. get traded uh, in that Dennis Schroeder deal with Houston. Uh, as well, he got bought out or waived already. I come, I sort of wonder how much longer is he going to be in the NBA with some of the stuff. Uh, yeah, I, I don't, court. I don't think he, he I don't think he's going to be in the NBA very much longer. Um, that 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 I'm I'm really, you know, I feel really strongly about. I, and I do wonder if that played a role. I mean, well, the deal is the deal. You know, I don't I don't know how much different it looks without it. But <laughs> did, did Brass even feel a little better about? getting rid of him with the quote-unquote distraction, you know, yeah. that it may have caused. I don't know. Uh, but um, that will be that will be interesting to see. I'll tell you uh, what, I, I like uh, – I, I really like Harold and Charlotte. You know, uh, Charlotte, I think, on the interior, needed some toughness, needed some um, physicality. Is Smith – what team is – is Smith on Charlotte? I feel like he's been in Washington. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah, he's like, in Charlotte. Yeah. Uh, that's Clyde, Clyde, Clyde Frazier's favorite NBA player is Smith. He's, he's been, in, yes, he's been. In How many times has he been in Washington? How many different times has he been in Washington? That's a great question. I could look that up. Um, is it more than twice? This is like over under two point five. <laughs> I'm gonna say it's only <laughs> been. I'm gonna say it's only been twice. I'm gonna say under. If you could look that up, I'm like, man. Um, 
But I, I like Harrell in, in Charlotte. They didn't give up really any anything of value. Ryan Carey, I don't think he was getting any burn for them. Ish Smith, it was. He was their backup point guard. I think they could piece together some backcourt situation to make this worthwhile. Or they could always, of course, pick up somebody from the buyout market, potentially. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It was only it was only last time. Right, uh, right, okay. Yeah, he's only been there once. Yeah, Ish Smith. I, played... I think he's, isn't he tied for the record? Or does he have the record as playing on the most NBA teams of all time? He doesn't have the record. He's close. Like, he's played on a million teams. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Played on twelve is. different teams. This is now the second team he's played on twice. <laughs> played for twice. Man. And I know it's crazy uh, that Ish Smith is not whack. Like, I'm going I'm to I'm say that with my chest. <laughs> he's not whack. Like, he's not like, oh, like, he's just some guy that nobody would ever need. But, like, but like the nature of his game, it's like he's always a guy that's used as a stopgap guy. That should who, be the title of his podcast. Ish Smith is not whack. <laughs> I mean, he's not like, but it, but like, <laughs> but he's gonna have this like he has this moniker of like, oh, I've been on a million different teams, and I'm like, he's not. Again, I'll say it, he's not completely washed. But like, I think there's some reason, reason why that's because of that. I think mean, that's why he keeps getting a job. But and now I like Harold for Charlotte. They, they need some interior toughness, some physicality. Charlotte looks like a, at the very least, a playing team. They will have a shot to make the playoffs just like they had last year. What we saw last season where they lacked maturity and they lacked toughness uh, when they came to that playing game. They're going to need it when they play in the playing game this year, especially when you see the Nets kind of poking around there. Maybe they might have a game against the Nets in the first game. Like, So, uh, so I like this Harold move. I like this move a lot. Any last thoughts on the trades we got? You, we talked about the Sabonis thing. I don't want to go on that too much. But the, the last deal I, I guess we could talk about is the um, Pelicans deal yesterday. C.J. McCollum going to uh, New Orleans. I know that he said that today that he had he had been working with the front office to find a home. That's interesting to me because we kept hearing it was Pelicans and Knicks. So that tells me that, okay, Knicks was probably the other team he would have been willing to go to. The Pelican situation is interesting. They they have a spot also in the play-in as of now. They seem like they could get there. Those you know, Sacramento. They're playing good basketball. They're playing much better basketball. Willie Green. I tell you what. Shout out to the to the first year coaches that are starting to maybe figure it out. Shout out to Willie Green. Shout out to uh, Udoka. You know it, it was looking rough. Chauncey Bills. Chauncey Bills got a big win. Chauncey Bills. They beat the Lakers. Anthony it's Simons great. is dynamite. Um, very curious to see what they do with him this off season. Like. We were we were we were dead on in our video years ago, man. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That kid, that Gary Trent, I had Simons. Yeah, man. Yeah, those guys. Those guys <laughs> can cook. Uh, both of those guys. Um, and they had both of them, and now they have one. Yeah, they have one, which they gave up Norman Powell for, who they traded for Eric, Eric Bledsoe. So Dame Lillard, that's what but you have to look forward to. Who they traded for Josh Hart? Dame Lillard, run from the grind. I'm gonna say it one more time. Run from the grind. Um, for the Pelicans. They're playing pretty good basketball. I think C.J. McCollum is a very good fit next to Zion Williamson, the idea of Zion Williamson, if we ever see him. And I like that he brings credibility to their locker room. They very much lacked it. They didn't have anybody in that locker room that Willie Green could point to and say, hey, see how this guy works? See what this guy has accomplished? This is what it takes to play winning basketball in the NBA. They had nobody in the roster they could point to for that. And for a young coach who's trying to instill good proper values in his team and for a team that for their sake with a fan base that's so apathetic they need to do something to try to excite the fan base getting into the plan would help 
So I like the C.J. McCollum move. I think that a lot of money for these next two years after this season. I think these are probably this is probably his two year window of being a guy who's anywhere near worth that kind of money. But he's a good fit. He's a good fit. He's a very good player. He's just got to stay healthy. That would, that would be my my take on that. And we talked about the Blazers' angle. I don't I don't I don't I don't know what to say about what Portland's. Doing. I echo they're, they're right. They're right to tear. They're right to tear it down. But this whole idea that we're still keeping Dame doesn't add up. But for for the Pelicans, didn't give up too much. I was very cool with what they did. Yeah, I, I, I echo your sentiments um, on the Pelicans. One thing I want to one thing I want to ask you is what do you what do you make of James Harden opting into his extension or not his extension, but his, his option for next season? Uh, we risky, all risky Harden move to me. Eight. Risky move. It's for James Harden. Yes, yeah, for James Harden, that's risky. I mean, you know, I, look, he he is he's played very. People have been saying he's played bad this year. That's not true. He's he's not played up to his capabilities, but he 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 he's played well. He's still leading the league in assists. Um, he he's still an excellent player. But to me, I don't know how many more years of this elite level Harden you're gonna get if you're um, Philly or whoever has him. So if I was Harden, I would have preferred to ball out the rest of this year, opt out, make Philly resign me to a massive deal for at least three or four more years, and that's it. I think what I we think see banking when on we see from him next season, I think it's gonna be it's gonna be curious. I think the reason why he's doing it is because I don't think that he wants to be tied in like he was tied in this year. I think I think he wants to have the option to leave if he don't like a situation. I think he felt stuck in Houston, and that's why he turned down old like that like. What do you like? They were at, they were offering forty million dollars a year or something crazy. Fifty, I think. They have like a three year, one hundred and fifty million dollar contract. And he was like, I don't want to be tied to that. So please get me out of here. And I don't, he and the same thing with Brooklyn. You know, they wanted to sign for an extension. All of a sudden, he first he was like, Oh yeah, I'm with that. And all of a sudden, that just went away. I think he wants to have the flexibility to say, Nah, this ain't it, and he can move. So I think that's why he's doing it. I think the risk comes in. What if? If the if we get if the next James Harden that we saw this first half is who he is in Philly, he's gonna lose a lot of money, in my opinion. I think a lot of people look at that and say, okay, he's a declining player who's only gonna get worse. I'm not paying him top dollar. So you're getting forty seven million this year, so I mean it's not I mean or forty four whatever it is, like some crazy number. I mean that's a lot of money. But I would have inclined to say, no, nah, let me opt out and, and get this long term deal in case something happens to me or I don't play up to no, snuff. Stop. Exactly. That's what I would do. I think it's a little bit of a risky move, but I do think that for Philly, I think I think it's great for Philly because Philly again, I think you're signing up for Harden for forty seven million next year, and a full chance to show him, hey, this is where you should be. This is where this is what we could do. And again, if you don't work out, then same thing for them. They say, all right, he's acting like a clown again. Let's ship him out of here, or he can walk. It seems like it's great for Philly. I see why Harden sees the sees the advantage of it i just don't see it for him i don't see the i don't see this as a big game for him. yeah i mean I, you gotta love it if you're a sixers fan you gotta um, love it yeah that was the best case scenario i thought i would have repped for him to do this than sign, sign an extension or anything like that yeah yeah he's not a flight risk this offseason you don't have to worry about um if he doesn't look good you know if it doesn't work out he's, he's not movable or uh, either he either he leaves for nothing, or you know, or he or he becomes harder to trade. Now, you know, I mean, you see what you see how he plays. 
it doesn't go great, you still could theoretically move him. Um, or give him another shot. But, man, a great job by Darryl Morey kicking it. Oh, yeah, I was about to say, yeah, we, we really need to, we need, everybody needs to put respect on Darryl Morey's name. This was a master class. That's, that's why I tweeted today. This is a master class. He held out on Simmons. The Sixers, though it looked rough early, held serve on the, the court. Pocket, they held serve on the court. They, they're in striking distance without Ben Simmons. Then he was able to trade Ben Simmons for a superstar player, which is what he wanted. And, and he did not have to give up his two biggest young assets in Maxi and Thibel or Thibel. He didn't give up either of them to do so. Yep. That's a master class. Seth Curry losing him is going to hurt. There are not too many 50, 40, 90 type of guys. I don't want to minimize that. But you keep your young assets and you get James Harden and you offloaded a clown who didn't want to even suit up for you. That's a master class. And I think there are a lot of people who kind of like to dance on. They were, they were happy to dance on Daryl Morey's grave. They don't like the whole he's yeah. an analytics guy. That he's smarter than everybody guy. They didn't like that. And I, for one, thought there were plenty of moments where they made missteps. We all have to put respect on Daryl Morey's name for what he did today. This was a master class. He was right. Yeah. Everyone else was wrong. <laughs> that's, I, think, I, think, yeah. I think that's where the, I think that's the place that ended there. I mean, yeah. uh, there's really not much more to say. But man, thank you guys for rocking with us in this stream we had here on YouTube talking about the NBA trade deadline. I had a blast. I know Kendall had a blast. Shout out to everybody who stayed with us. I know as I was working this system, there were a couple of technical difficulties. You probably saw some um, uh, some of my like uh, like my files and things like that. Uh, eventually, I got the, the the share screen worked out. Um, so thank you guys for staying with us. For the people who did, uh, of course, if you like our content. Make sure you subscribe to this channel, New Generation Media. Make sure you check out our our our, 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 our videos that we do on the NBA draft. We also do, of course, superhero content. That's a big part of our channel. So, again, if you like what you saw here, make sure you check out our channel, New Generation Media. Also, be sure to check out our podcast. We do New Generation Sports Talk every week. A lot of times talking about the NBA, but we also talk about other sports. We're doing it. We're recording a Sunday NFL uh, Super Bowl preview um, later today. That will be up probably later tonight or early tomorrow morning. So, uh, make sure you check out our YouTube channel, excuse me, our, our, our podcast channel. New Generation Podcast Network. Find that on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TuneIn. We're on social media. We're on Twitter, New Generation Pod to find us. We're on Facebook, New Generation Media, and we're on Instagram, New Generation Podcast. So uh, thank you guys for checking us out. Of course, you can follow me on Twitter, EJ underscore Stewart, Instagram, Action EJ. Kendall, I mean, excuse me, yeah, Kendall can be found on Twitter, uh, uh, New Gen Ken. Hope you guys enjoy the rest of your day. Happy NBA trade deadline. If it was a happy day for you, I'm sure Sixer fans, it was a very happy day for you. Congrats. Congrats to Kendall, Celtics fan. He got to see some moves made. For myself, Knicks fan, it was a sad day. For Laker fans, it was a sad day. I don't know how the Wizards fans feel about Porzingis. I I, I really didn't get to take their temperature. But man, I, I was following them during their debacle when they blew that 30-something point lead. That, that Twitter space, them guys were going crazy. So... I know they have great opinions there. So I hope y'all are happy with what happened. I don't know. But regardless of what your team did, I 
I know we will all be following the rest of this NBA season moving forward. Thank you guys once again for checking us out. For Kendall, I'm EJ. Take it easy, guys. Peace.